Well, it's good to be with you. It's good to be with you. No matter where you are, we gather together as the people of God to be encouraged by his words. And may his grace and mercy be yours from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You know what I love about the Gospel of Mark is that he wastes no time in getting down to business. There's this single sentence introduction that he starts out with, and it's basically saying, an event has taken place that radically changes the way we look and experience the world. See, in Mark's Gospel, there's no crying of a baby born, just the voice of one crying in the wilderness straight to the message, the good news that God is here and he is on our side. And today we're taking a look at verses 14 to 20 in that gospel of Mark. And to further support this love that I absolutely have for this gospel here, it's crazy to think this, that in the gospel of Matthew at verse 14, we're still learning about Jesus's ancestors. In the gospel of Luke, we're hearing about an encounter between Zechariah and an angel. And in the gospel of John, well, John's, he's waxing poetic as he does. But in Mark, He's all about the announcement of the gospel. He wastes no time getting to this bold and innovating teaching of the kingdom of God. Now, the focus here is less uh, on God's rule as king in the kingdom of God, less as his sovereign role over Israel and the world, but more on about how God is entering the kingdom, entering a new state of being here for us. And throughout this gospel, Jesus will discuss the the kingdom as being hidden, right? He's going to teach about it using parables and different analogies. And and even though the kingdom is is not necessarily fully realized, the repentant, the contrite, already are standing on its threshold. And already he is saying people must either receive or reject it. For we find that the the kingdom of God is is not a result of of human effort, nor do we see Jesus selling it or hustling it as he goes about. It's not identified by any religious or political power. Here we see the kingdom of God as the substance of Jesus' teachings, but more importantly, Mark has identified the kingdom in the closest possible way to a person, to a person and their ministry, the person of Jesus Christ. And this ministry, this person, this gospel will be proclaimed and known through adversity and suffering. And he is one who gives hope and love to all who receive his kingdom. The text says the time has come. Jesus said the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. See, this arrival of Jesus, of the kingdom of God, demands a change in thinking a unique response of repenting and changing in thought and behavior. One that turns from something, from a way of life, from from thinking, and, and all of a sudden turns towards another way, another truth, another life, Jesus. This is the call of repentance and belief, not a momentary call, not something that is only applied to certain areas of our life and not to others. Rather, this call lays claim to a total allegiance, a holistic life of following Jesus and becoming his disciple. Which is why it's so surprising to me that the first act that follows this proclamation that the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe, is not some miracle or a mighty sermon. It's the calling of four ordinary fishermen. So let's look at this calling of the ordinary and examine how this text flows into our lives as well. First and most importantly, take a look at this. Jesus is the subject of the call. Come follow me, he says. 
friends, this was and, and still is very different. It's different because at the time, there was a, if you wanted to enter into the rabbinical school, it all depended on the initiative of the student, the choice that they had to follow a, an ideal or a teaching or a way. See, for a Jew, the allegiance was to the Torah and its interpretation. It was never to a specific person or rabbi. And we see this throughout the Old Testament. We see people who follow or rather walk in God's ways and according to his statutes. But Jesus calls the four here to himself, to Jesus alone. And don't miss this. He searches for them. He comes to them and meets them where they are at. He doesn't require them to find him. He doesn't uh, say, you must come to the holiest of holies or pass an examination. But he goes to the very shore where they are working and comes to them. And he searches for you too. He comes to us. He meets us where we are. He does not require us to find him or to come to the holiest of holies or to pass an examination. But to the shore of our lives, Jesus comes to us. And in a time of shouting and advertisement and distraction that invites you to choose all these different ways, here comes Jesus directly to you, choosing you and saying, come follow me and let me turn your page. Don't miss how important this is. Because there's too many times where when the pages of life have us feeling paralyzed and afraid, unable to do anything, unsure of what it is that we're supposed to do, Jesus comes to us. When the pages of our lives have us feeling content in our ways, so so sure about what we should be doing, Jesus comes to us. And in the pages of our life where we've wandered off in that blaze of light to find where demons dwell, Jesus, the good shepherd, comes to us. Don't miss the personal relationship that is in this calling from Jesus. This is not some Ikea directions, follow step-by-step reading this and you put it together on your own. It's not some look deep inside yourself and you're going to find what you need. What we need to do, what we need to learn, never starts with us, but comes from following Jesus who comes to you and invites you. Remember, the gospel isn't so much about God as it is from God for you which is why he calls us to repent and believe, to embrace a new life. Jesus said, I will send you out to fish for people. Now, I grew up hearing, I will make you fishers of men. I think the best translation, though, is that Jesus said, I will send you out to become fishers of men. See, this call comes from him, and it is a call to follow him, and it is a call to become like him as you serve. The process of becoming disciples of Jesus can be slow. It can be painful. And we especially see that for the disciples, do we not? We see them struggle to to, to understand, to keep watch at night, to follow Jesus. We see them suffer persecution for the cause of Jesus. Because this life to which Jesus calls his disciples and us requires a fundamental change of perspective. It calls us to have in mind the things of God rather than the things of I, me, mine, and self. Friends, the text shows us you have to leave the nets behind. 
text shows us you have to get out of the boat. And we're going to see in this journey of following Jesus that we have to be ready to fight, to fight. That's why I think, I, that's why I think Paul told Timothy, fight the good fight the fight of faith. Take hold of that eternal life to which you were called when you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Because in many ways, this is a fight. To turn towards what we have been called to do and to turn away from what we have been programmed to do. What we have been inundated to do. We have to fight to follow Jesus. And that fighting starts with prayer. It starts with us asking that he would turn our eyes to see his face, to surrender our fears that we have of what was going to change in our life and give them to him, to him who holds our heart and can take the burdens of this life and turn them into something wonderful that we fight to follow and we fight for his love and we give our lives to following Jesus, the son of God, knowing that in every moment he fights for you and I. And I don't know who needs to hear this today. I know that I do. But keep fighting. Don't give up. If you've made mistakes, if you're struggling, if it's hard, keep fighting and don't give up. What Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young say, it's darkest just before the dawn. Keep fighting. Keep fighting because our God promises to turn the page. Like we just sang, not because of what's inside us or what we will do, but because what he does out of love for us. Now, I'm not up here to tell you that following Jesus is, is easy. It's not easy to fight. A lot of times we take wrong turns or, or something happens, life happens really, and we get beat down, tired, and all we hear is how messed up everything is. I look at these disciples of Jesus, I wonder how exhausted they were from fishing all night. He comes to them and he says, follow me. He's saying about holding on. Here's what I want you to do. Remember this, that in every important journey, in every fight, in everything that we're going through, in every struggle, there's a moment where you need to pause. Now we've been told to look within and to summon the strength and to rise up and go. I say let's do something different. In that moment, let's pause, let's breathe, and let's pray. Take a moment, close your eyes, bow your head. With your eyes closed, see that glimmer of hope. Feel that ember of warmth. Hear the voice of Jesus calling to you. And hold to that voice. Friends, he has put you exactly where you are and has promised you that you are not alone. He stands right beside you to fight for you, to make you become His. His love will be your companion. His love that has won it all, has taken the fall for us and replaced it with a victory. It's a fight worth fighting because of where it ends. It ends in victory with Jesus Christ, the one who never stops fighting for those He calls you and me a fight for love and a fight for one another, to look past differences and to become one just as Father, Spirit, and Son are one. Following Jesus never means that everything's going to be rainbows and butterflies. 
There'll be adversity. There'll be suffering. There'll be struggle. But there will also always be victory in this life or the next when we follow Jesus Christ. For He is the Lord who gives us the daily bread that we ask for and enables us to follow Him. Now there's one more thing that we see in this call to these four ordinary fishermen. It's very subtle, but do you see it? It's a call to fellowship. How good is it that the essential work of Jesus, of calling people to himself and making them fishers of men, also consists in forming a fellowship and a community. Not a community that is nameless or some faceless mass, but a community of individuals whose names are known. He calls Simon, Andrew, James, and John, and he calls you. Scripture tells us that we are uniquely created, given gifts for the betterment of the community of faith. Each one of us, important. Each one of us called by God and placed exactly where we are, brought into this new life, this life-encompassing community in which at the center is no longer ourselves, but Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but it is good to know that not much has changed in how Jesus is operating. He still calls us by name to come and follow him, still invites us to the waters of baptism and makes us his own, still feeds us at his very own table and gives us his very own spirit. So I want to leave you with this metaphor as I try to wrap it all up. It's a story about a child who goes on a trip. It's his first time to the lake going camping. And for the first time, the boy, the boy is like reading a little guide about the lake, right? He's just full of it. The, the guide is full of fascinating things. You go to AAA, you get those guides. They're great. Inside, you can find the, the types of fish that'll be at the lake, the types of trees, the histories, the, the best can types, the path you could write, etc., etc., etc. Yul Brenner, Magnificent Seven. Wait, King and I. That's my bad. And anyway, they get there, and the boy is still reading, he's reading from the page, and he's, he's reading the facts out loud, like, oh, Dad, you're going to love this, 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 so they could learn and know everything, right? And the father says, hey, son, what color is the lake? And the boy looks at the book, and he's like, well, it's kind of hard to tell. The picture here is a little bit grainy and not all that clear, maybe like a, a bluish kind of, and the father lowers the book from him and tells the boy to open his eyes and look out and see. What good would it do to read the book and know the book and love the book but not live it? Now I want to invite the band up here and I want you to remember that the call to follow Jesus and go is one that each one of us has received. Now we may not leave our jobs or our homes but we leave behind that which would hinder us from following Jesus. And as we do, we will not just learn about love, but we will see and taste and touch and feel what love looks like, the love of Jesus Christ. We will become like Him, those who have eyes to see the misery and want of those in need. We will become those who have ears to hear the sighs and sorrows of the men and women around us. And we will become those who have hands to help others, who have feet that are ready and hastening to help the poor and their needs. Because by the power of the Holy Spirit that we have been given, we will follow Him to love and serve the One who seeks us. Amen?